This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Go from surviving to thriving. What up, everybody? This is Crime Over Cocktails, and I am Tiffany, your host. Today, I'm here with my guest, Eileen. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I am Eileen Santos, and I have a <laughs> and I have a podcast called Murder, Blood, and Psychopaths. And I'm here to talk about my story, which was the first story of my past because I lived in an abusive relationship. And I fully survived. So we're here and we are alive. And guess what? I have a heartbeat. I can pinch myself right now and be like, oh, shit, I'm alive. That's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But here's my story, you guys. So it really happened for me when I I was only, I was a teenager. I was 17. I was literally out of high school. I was going to turn 18 the on September my Virgo. And I remember I needed a job and I worked in uh, McDonald's because my mom, she was a single mom and she couldn't really like support us on one income. And there's three of us. So I have a twin sister and then I have an older brother and my mom, she did the best she could, but senior dues were coming up. So I was like, oh shit, I need a job. So my twin sister was working at McDonald's and she hooked me up with a job. And in the summer, of yeah it was like around june july is when i started like working there and this guy that i met i thought he was really handsome he was my type i was a teenager so my type was more like the long hair i thought like to me that was attractive right um and he wasn't like really tall and i know like i'm really fastidious with height but that's something my mom instilled in me and i'm working on it cuz she's like girl i cannot date someone that's short so i'm like oh i don't want that but i overlooked all of that and i thought he was really good looking and he was working in mcdonald's i worked the cashier i was cash register and he worked in the kitchen and there was obviously red flags but of course i'm young i don't i didn't see any signs or red flags Right. Um, and his name was Nathan. And him and I, we really started like looking at each other, high fucking each other. And I was like, damn, he's really cute. And we got to know each other. Um, and I was like, I'm whatever. This is my name. This is my age. And he was like a year younger than me. He was born in 89 and I was born in 88. And I remember his aunt was working at the McDonald's as well. And she hooked him up with the job. But I should have known something was amiss because after like maybe I want to say like less than a month or maybe like a month or so, like he stopped working there. And I quite never really like asked questions other than he started like blaming like our manager and I didn't like my manager either. So I kind of like believed him. And he was like, oh, she's a bitch. She kept telling me something about my hair or whatever. So I believed that. So I was like, all right, cool, whatever. And him and I, like we started talking and he started to, um, to pick me up for work. And 
everything was all you, you know, I'm think he's my first one. I was a virgin at the time. And he was like L bombing me like really early on, but this was like before we even knew these terms. And him and I we were hanging out and I should have found it weird that he found a job at Quiznos and his job was literally like three blocks away from me. And to me, of course, I, to me, I didn't look at it as anything other than, oh shit, my boyfriend is like, he's close by. He can come pick me up at the job, whatever. And I was going to um, begin college that following year. I was studying uh, to become, I wanted to become a cop. So I was studying criminal justice. Of course, I'm working there because, of course, I got to pay for co uh, college tuition and my books. He started to pick me up at work. And at first it was cute, you know, and then it started really to get like it was bothering me. And I'm a reader. So I remember I was reading this book called Angels and Demons by Dan Brown. And I like to have my time. And I feel like he was just suffocating me. And I tried to tell him and he was just like, yeah, but you should let me pick you up after work. And I'm like, listen, like. There's times where I just want to go home alone. It's like he wasn't hearing what I was telling him and he just kept popping on a job. And one day I remember like I had enough. So I'm working and I do to get off of the shift, I believe 11 at night. And I had a manager and his name was Lewis. And Lewis, of course, had a crush on me. And Nathan was jealous. Nathan was like, oh, he likes you. And he was always putting Lewis down. And I'm like... Like, I understand that, but he, like, my manager, and I respected Lewis, even though Lewis, like, never hit on me, at least to, to any, like, he was never, like, inappropriate with me. And to me, he treated me like a manager, you know, and my friend, him and I, we would have conversations, and Lewis started, like, pinpointing things out, like, your boyfriend is, like, literally outside. And he was calling the McDonald's. And I remember like, I was so mad because I'm like, I told you, I don't want you to pick me up. And he shows up and he's outside. I was so upset. And me and Lewis, we go downstairs and we're changing our uniforms. And I tell him, can you um walk with his like, um, what train you take? So I was like, I take two trains. So he's like, you're in luck because we can go um all the way down the stairs. And there's like a path, like we can go through the back and he wouldn't see you. So we did just that. So we left through the back and he didn't even see me leave. I don't even know why I did that because, oh my God, he showed up at my, because I was living at my mom's during that time. I was 17 years old. He was so livid. Like he showed up unannounced. I was trying to hide like certain things from my mom and I should have known it wasn't normal because, of course, my mom wasn't modeling this. I didn't see this at home. Like, my mom wasn't getting abused. My mom was married to my dad. And, yeah, my dad was a serial cheater, but my dad never put his hands on my mom. And my mom never got partners that would have been. If anything, my mom was verbally probably abusing her spouses. Like, she was like, hell no. My mom, she's a strong woman. And I just felt like, you know, like, there were things that I was trying to keep from my mom. And my mom was sleeping and he's knocking and banging on the door. And my mom was already kind of like upset because he kind of, he woke her up. I was trying to defuse the situation. And so they oh no, mom, I'm sorry. Um, that's just uh, Nathan. And he's at the door and he, like, I made up a lie. I can't remember what I told her. And she went to sleep and then him and I were talking in the hallway and he was berating me. He was calling me all types of sluts, calling me a like all types of whole 
because I had left and I told him, but you can't be showing up at my job. Like I already told you, like we had a conversation prior that there was times where I just want to go home alone because he had just a bad habit of all the time being on top of me. And yes, even though like you're like so caught in love or in lust, there's going to be times where you feel like you're suffocating. And I remember like, it was like then that he started to like put his hands on me. I remember in the hallway, like he, like he punched me. And that was like the first time that he like put his hands on me. And I was so in shock because I'm like, this is not normal. And I I didn't, I didn't know how to react because I'm young. And then he's like apologetic, like, oh my God, I'm sorry I hit you, but this is what you made me do. And I remember like, like just, yeah, as per usual, right? Right. And I remember thinking like, damn, like, is it really my, yeah, because we always think it's our fault. For some reason, we always, it's our fault. And I'm alone in this because I'm not, my twin sister doesn't know like that this is going on and neither does my mom. I had a best friend at the time. She didn't know what was going on it like started just like that, like gradually. And then like he would apologize. And then like there would be periods of times where like we would get into arguments verbally and then he would just physically hit me. He got into a habit of always like hitting me in my face or like pulling my hair. And I didn't like, I didn't even know how the hell I was going to tell my mom. And I remember the like it was taking a toll on me, like on my mental health. And even on me, like I started to lose ridiculous amount of weight and my hair started to fall out and I had long hair, even like in September when I started college, um, him and I were still together and I know I should have left right then and there, but it was like this, I don't know what it was with him, but he just had a way of pulling me in and he had this way of convincing and later on I would like go to therapy and learn that this was trauma bonding, which according to the definition of trauma bonding is basically when you develop like unhealthy attachments to your abuser and it follows by like a positive reinforcements. So you would never like really ever say like, oh, um, it's his fault. I don't deserve this. Like you will always put it on yourself and it was a shame. And I just remember I was just losing a ridiculous amount of weight. I had bruises in my body. And it got to the point that, like, uh, my mom started to notice these bruises, and I was hiding it from as long as I could. There was, like, this whole situation that happened with him, and my sister witnessed it firsthand, and I couldn't hide it anymore. That's, like, when I had to, like, tell my mom that he was abusing me, that he was hitting me physically, and my mom told me to stay away from him. But, of course, I didn't listen. I'm a stubborn 17-year-old. And I was turning 18 years old. This is like when my mom like really like met him for like actual first time that she was in his presence. And it was my own sister and it was another friend of her. We we celebrated our birthday in Dave and Buster's. And I remember I saw Anne Hathaway that day and it was a good day. But I remember we took the train because we it was on 42nd Street and he started dancing on the train. And my mom was just like so embarrassed because my mom is the type that like, Obviously, like doing things like this is like it's inappropriate behavior. Like this is not the way you comport yourself. And and like my mom gets embarrassed really easily. So my mom was just like berating him. And then he kept like catching an attitude with my mom and speaking to, and speaking really ill to my mom. Even then, like I I still like continue to still be with him. 
And little by little, he started isolating me. I didn't really spend too much time with my mom at Dave and Buster's or like with my sister and her friend because he took me to the side and we were like playing games or whatever. And then I remember like, like, oh, um, this person is looking at you like you're a slut. Like, why are you looking at this person? Like he was just going off on me. And I remember like, I felt this shame because I'm like, he just made me feel like so ugly in that moment. Cause he used to tell me, oh, you think you're pretty, you're ugly, stupid. Like he would like really deteriorate, like deteriorate who I was. I know like I'm a smart girl. Like my mom, my uh, aunt went to Harvard and my aunt made, she also gave me that kind of education. So I know like I wasn't a dumb and I was making grades in high school. Like I had straight A's and it was just something about him that he just had a way of convincing me that to the point I really felt like I was really dumb. I couldn't carry a conversation. I had to, I was even looking on the floor. Like it it was just that kind of control that he had over me. And I remember um, coerced me to, cause I was a virgin. He coerced me to, to like literally like give it up. He's like, if you don't lose your virginity to me, like we're going to, and I'm thinking like, this is normal again. And I'm thinking he's the love of my life. Like I can't do that. Next thing you know, I like one thing led to another and we ended up doing the deed over my mom was sleeping in the next bedroom. I was just praying she didn't catch me doing that because my mom would be devastated. I was like the perfect twin. I was the twin that people, um, and it's fucked up. Like my aunt, my uncles placed bets on my twin sister and I, and they were like, yeah, um, the first person to come out pregnant is going to be Jen and not you. <laughs> they were wrong. <laughs> they lost their money. But um, yeah. <laughs> so then I was like, I didn't even know about this bet until like years later. So um, little by little, um, his his father, his father, like his family, they weren't like that. His mom, he lost her very early on. And he said that because he didn't have his mother in his life, that he turned to drugs. And that's when I even like realized that he had like a coke habit and his nose was a little slanted too. And his father even told me his father um, and his father was such a good person. His father was like, listen, um, Eileen, he had a real conversation. He's like, listen, Eileen, my son's not good for you. Um, My son had an ex-girlfriend and he abused her. I didn't even know this because these were things that he was hiding from me. Because remember, this is a facade. He's perfect or whatever. And it was during Thanksgiving that his son and I got into a really bad argument. And his son had hit me. And I remember that I showed up and I was crying. And his father was consoling me and his mom. And his stepmom was like, he's not a good person. Like, please get away from him. He's going to harm you. And me, of course, always trying to see the good in him, because the most thing is that when you're in this trauma, that even though they're the worst person, when they do like have that like little glimmer of like being nice, like you think this is the person that this is who they are and try to save them because this is a bad habit that us women have, right? That we try to save the men and we can't, we can't save them. I'm over here always trying to write and I'm always I was always trying to like justify his behaviors and I was always putting it on myself and then I just remember that like there even like that following winter through the summer him and I were like on and off with our relationship 
And it's because I have periods where I would like reflect and I would press charges on him, but then I'll end up dropping the charges because he would just like, he had his way with me and he knew how to manipulate me. He was good at, he knew how to manipulate me. And I remember like go in and and the cops even told me, they were like, listen, he's never going to change. You're a beautiful girl. You don't deserve that. And I think I was, I was like 96 pounds, like 96 to 95 pounds. And I remember even going to a doctor's visit and my, and my mom, like that's when my mom really started to know things, to notice things. And, and the doctor was like, your daughter is losing a lot of weight and this isn't normal. 95 pounds for, for being 18. This is not it. And it was because of that. I was stressed. I couldn't eat. And then it was a lot of like the, the push and pull factors. Like he was always with my mom and my sister. And it just, it just really became like so useful to me. And he isolating me from everyone, even like my best friend from high school. And I remember my best friend from high school, she came out pregnant and she was her family and I was happy for her. And he would tell me, he's like, why are you hanging out with her? She's not someone who's a good person. Look at her. She came out pregnant. She's a hoe. And he would like, like he would say like really demeaning and debasing things about my best friend. And I really started to believe these things too. Even though like deep down, I know like that's not who my best friend was. Like my best friend was, she's an awesome woman. You know, like doesn't matter. She got pregnant as a teen, but she, she got out of high school and she was going to college and she was taking care of business and she was doing it the right way. She was going to get married and I was happy for her. And it just sucked that I missed a lot of important events in her life because he was isolating me from family and friends because, of course, that's what they do. And I remember I had a job at the pool and I was bringing in a lot of money. It was untaxed, right? And he would take my money and he would he would cheat on me. And he had this whole relationship that I didn't know about with this other woman during the summer of 2007. He had this whole other side of relationship that I didn't know. And he was taking my money and he was spending it with this with girl. And I remember I was just so stressed. My hair was falling out. Even like my job like wasn't even showing up. Like I was pulling up no call, no shows. And a lot of like my friends were getting really worried. And then like I, I turned to a little bit of drinking. I remember like my mom was gone during that summer. She had went to the Dominican Republic and she left my twin sister and myself in charge of the, of the house because we're 18. So we're not anymore. You know, we can do whatever. That summer I got literally drunk and Nathan, I knew I got pregnant. I knew I was pregnant the moment it happened and me personally, the way I justify this was if, if I give him a kid and it's fucked. If I give him a kid, he was abusing me. Maybe it'll stop. Boy, I was wrong. I remember I had pregnancy for my mom. I, it was, it was, I, I was so ashamed. And the first person I believe I shared it with was with my aunt who went to Harvard. And at this point, she was living in New York City. And I, and I love my aunt. Like she never judged me and always supported me, didn't matter what I did. And I, and I remember, um, I, I kind of like confided this in her and I was like, auntie, I believe I'm pregnant. 
And she got me a pregnancy test. And I remember like, like it said positive. And she was like, dude, you're pregnant. That's how she told me. She was like, dude, you're pregnant. And I remember like, oh my God, like, am I supposed to tell my mom? For some reason, every time I got pregnant, I'm never the person that told my mom that I'm pregnant. So I know what this asshole did. So when my mom gets back from DR, of course, she's, she doesn't know I'm pregnant. At this point, I even drop out of college at this point because my intentions were never really to drop out of college. I wanted to go to John Jay because that was the dream college I wanted to go to. I just didn't get accepted in Jay um, that year, but I was going to attend John Jay the next year. At least that was the plan. And I remember she had, she came back and it was the summer and, she, and he called the house. And she, and my mom was like, oh, don't call the house. I don't want to see you. And he's like, oh, you're going to have to put up with me. And she was like, no, I don't have to put up with you. You're not, you're not my son. You're not my worry. And she, and he's like, oh yeah. He's like, well, you are going to have to put up because your daughter. And he said it just like this. Cause I was on the other line. Cause back then there was like not, no cell phones. Really? We were using the landline. No, wait, we had cell phones. We just had to wait, I think, until 9, 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. until the minute started, right? Because then they start, they were charging him. So then he called, so that's calling for me. And he's, he has this back and forth conversation with my mom. And that's when he drops the bomb. And he's like, well, you're going to have to put up with me. And he goes, huh, because your daughter is pregnant. Oh my God. My, uh, my heart went right to my asshole when he told my mom that because <laughs> I know that like hurt my mom because yeah, I, I didn't know how to tell my mom. Like I didn't want to disappoint my mom. And even though my mom is a kind of Latina that's like, Oh, you're stupid. Stop doing this. It's still meant for me. Like that's her tough love because my mom gave me support in other areas of my life. And she didn't want this for me. Like she, she wanted me to hide this from friends and family because she was ashamed. I'm 18 years old. I'm a teenager. And she's like, okay, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Because you, you know, we have to decide what you're going to do. Hello, we are a podcasting couple. I'm Brad. And I'm Denise. And if you're into true crime, paranormal activities, aliens, disappearances, or anything that's weird or unexplained, then let us assure you, you don't have to look any further. We have all that plus much more. We release an episode every Tuesday morning for your listening pleasure. So join us at World's True Crime Podcast and download our episodes on all your major streaming platforms. And remember, the world is not always as it seems. No, it's not. My mom was so upset with me that she even kicked me out of the house. So I was homeless with this man. I was sleeping in the train cars while I was pregnant. I was not taking care of myself. I was not seeking any kind of uh, medical attention because when you're pregnant, you need prenatal care. And I wasn't taking care of myself. And I remember I was still, I was still losing weight. I was 23 pounds pregnant and I couldn't keep food down. Everything I ate, I would throw up. And I remember like my twin sister, as my stomach is getting bigger, I believe I was like in the five to six month territory. And she had a friend that worked in the medical uh, medical industry, and she was like, "Listen, you need to you need to get checked because this is not like you're not taking care of yourself." 
So then I finally go to the to the hospital, and that's when I learned the 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 sex of my child. And I learned that I was having a son. And I was I remember at first I was like I don't want a son, I want a daughter. And I at first I was not happy. I was like mm, a son. Like I couldn't picture myself with my son. And there's just something about me that I had since like I was really young. If I can't picture it. And if I forced myself to like picture something, I know it wasn't going to happen. And I just couldn't picture myself with my son and with this man. I remember that I told them that we were going to have a boy and he was so happy. He was brought to everyone, even to his father. And I remember his father was so happy. But his father and his stepmom really, they warned me. Even his brother, they warned me about him. But of course, I'm welcoming a kid with this man thinking that he's going to change. They don't change. And I remember one day I'm in the bathroom. They never do, never do. Mm-mm. And I remember I'm in the bathroom. And when you're like, at least, or at least let me speak for myself. I don't want to comb my hair. I have a lot of hair. Like if all this hair, like I was like, I don't want to do my hair. So I remember I, I put it up in a bun and he's in the bathroom with me. And I'm really hungry because as I said before, when I, when I used to eat, I could not keep anything down. I would throw it. It got to the point that his cologne would bother me and he would hit me. Like he would never understand why his cologne would make me nauseous. Like I just, I, I didn't want to be around him. And it was just like the odor, the, just being around him just made me gag and made me throw up. We were supposed to go out. I was really hungry. He was like, oh, you're going to leave the house like that? And I was like, yeah, why not? Like, what? We're only, we're all going like a few blocks. And this man literally like, I mean, by the hair, pulled my hair. And I remember like he dropped me to the floor and I remember he started to kick me. And I remember I was protecting my son. I was just praying to God because that's another thing too, that he, he went to church and he used God against me so many times. He was like, our son is born of an original sin. And he would just shame me. And it was just something that he um, convinced me because, of course, this is what abuse is. And I just remember, like, praying to God, and I'm like, God, can can it just stop? And I remember stop. And then I'm hearing, like, cabinets in my mom's kitchen, and he's, like, ransacking, like, the cabinet, but I know it's, like, um, the utensil cabinet. And he gets two knives, and he comes back, and he puts it to me, and he puts it to my son. And he's like, it's you or him. And I remember like crying hysterical. And he's like, don't make me have to kick you so hard that if, and this is a trigger, that if the baby comes up, I'm going to smash, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a step on his skull and smash his skull. And that shit crushed me. Cause I'm like, you were supposedly happy that we're having a son and this is your first baby and you're still abusing me. And as I said, Things got worse. One day, my mom is working. I was about like six and a half months. And I'm like, I call my mom at work and I'm like, mom, um, I, I'm taking showers. But then I feel really wet, like if I'm peeing on myself. And my mom is like, oh, my God, you're going into labor. She was like, do me a favor. Call the ambulance. I'll be right there. And you know, go put towels under you. And I'm like, are you sure is that? And and she's like, yeah. 
and and I told her that it was a bad odor as well. I was like, and it smells really bad. And she's like, because your water broke. And I'm like, but how? I'm only six and a half months. Like the baby's not the one to like feel a few months away. And I'm in the hospital. And it's like October, like before Halloween. And I remember my aunt, she's getting married. And um, I couldn't attend her wedding because I was hospitalized. And when they did tell me, they're like, yes, like they took me in, that my mom accompanied me to the hospital. We're like, yeah, like your water broke. So we need to keep you here on baby comes. And I was like, I'm going to be in this hospital for a long time. They gave me a room. And they were trying to prolong the pregnancy as long as they could. And he would come and visit me. At first, the nurses and and no one, even the security guard, they didn't know what was going on. Because I had a really, um, I was really good at just um, camouflaging the relationship and just hiding a lot of things. One day, I'm, I, I told my mom, like, Mom, I want to read a Dan Brown book. Can you go to the library and get it for me? Because Dan Brown is my favorite author. So she gets me this book, and it was, this, it was called Deception Point. And I remember I was reading it, and in he comes, and he's like, why are you reading that book? That book is not of God. And he beats the shit out of me in the hospital. The security guards come in. Yeah. And I remember this beautiful nurse. She was attending to me because they had kicked him out and security guards were not allowing him to come into my room anymore. And of course, they had to monitor me because he just put his hands on me and their concern is my baby, of course, myself. This woman, she comes in, she beautiful nurse, and I wish I took her advice. And she was like, she's never going to change. Don't allow him back in this room. Because he's gonna he's gonna harm you and your baby, and I wish I would have listened, you know. Um, but of course, me being naive, right? Um, they were monitoring me, and I remember like I was having contra- contraptions, and they were like, "The baby is coming, and we need to perform an emergency C-section." And I remember like, "Fuck!" Like I don't want to have this baby alone, you know. He is the father of my kid, and um. They performed an emergency C-section on me. I was not ready. I'm only 18 years old. Well, 19 at this point. And it's November. I remember just being in pain throughout the whole thing. Like my contract, like my contractions were coming. And I remember just praying to God, like for my son, like I, I just wanted a healthy delivery. And the doctors, they did what they could. They performed the C-section and everything, everything went well. You know, um, then I heard my son, he was crying. And I remember, oh my God, like my son, I gave him a little kiss. And of course, Nathan is there. And, um, and of course, for that little moment, I'm thinking, okay, maybe if he sees his son, he's going to change. Never, never did. Right. So then the doctor's telling me that because the baby was premature, he developed jaundice. So they put him under a light so he could get a little bit of color. And at this point, um, I'm almost about to leave the hospital. Um, they're waiting for me to recover. But the baby, they live, they leave the baby in the NICU because they have to monitor him. He's premature. And a lot of uh, his lungs, they weren't properly developed. 
And I remember we'll go to the hospital every day and I would breastfeed my son. Be sure to have that contact with him. And he was the tiny thing. He was really tiny. And we ended up naming our son Josiah. Josiah Elijah was his name. And I fell in love with that name. I remember getting a call. I was on with with his with his father. And I remember getting a call and my son is in this hospital like 16 days. And the doctors are like, we need you to quick because your son's, um, he can't move any bowels. I was like, what do you mean? So they're like, we're monitoring him and he hasn't moved his bowels. And I remember there was a really, really good nurse who was like taking care of my son. She was Russian, I believe. And she was amazing. Like she was with my son, like throughout everything. They needed to perform surgery on my son. And they brought two of the best um, doctors from Columbia Presbyterian to come perform um, surgery because they're like, your son developed necrotizing enterocolitis. And I remember just crying throughout the whole thing, like just praying for a miracle that my son survives this surgery because I'm like, he's so tiny, you know? And they thought he survived the surgery and everything. Everything was going great. And next thing you know, 16 days after, um, then I get another phone call. I believe it was like in the morning. It was like six in the morning. And I remember they're like, you have to come quick because your son's chances of surviving are slim to none. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, your son still hasn't moved any, like he doesn't have bowel movements. So you're going to have to go say goodbye to your son. And I'm like, I'm not prepared for this. So I go, Nathan's there. And I remember I walk in, the nurse taking care of him, she walks out and she gives me a hug and she's like, I'm so sorry. And I remember I'm in the chapel and I'm like praying, praying, praying. And then I get called from the chapel because my mom is there. And then there's another woman that I met in the church that we attended. And, and she came and got me. She was like, um, it's not looking good. Your son's heartbeat is going down by the minute. And I'm like, I remember getting mad at God. Like, how could you do this to a baby, right? But we always get mad at someone who really tried to prevent it. Because I know, like, God didn't want this for me. So then, of course, I'm not putting the blame on him. And I remember we walk into the room and I see my son's like heart monitor just keep going and going down, going down, going down. And then it just, to the point that it was like zero and then it was five, five. And I remember just like, like at 19 going through this, it was so much. They pull us aside to the room and I got to own my son for the last time. And he's there crying and I'm like even like squeezing my son and like my son has like, he's swollen and he's like all purple and he feels a little cold. And I remember saying like, oh my God, and looking at him and he's crying. And then I'm like, you don't fucking get to cry. Like this is all on you. And then my mom, she was being nice and she's like, you guys, you know, you guys just had a loss. And of course, she's trying to do the right thing and she lets him stay over so he could console me. And he's in my house. And instead of consoling me, you know what he does? 
And I didn't even know this was right. So I'm in the room one day. And I remember he like gets on me and he's like, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to create another Josiah. My son is not replaceable. Like, are you kidding me? And then he punched me in my face and he literally like forced me to have sex with him. Just create another little person. And I remember just being so dirty and so ashamed that even like my twin sister like got so got into it with him so bad and she ended up like beating the shit out of him and i loved her for it and she kicked him out and my twin sister told my mom like this is what was going on and from there i was like you know what this happened for a reason i need to leave the relationship and i tried try to leave the relationship and the last straw for me was when i went to john jay because i was like you know what i'm gonna go to school I suffered this loss and I don't, I don't want, I don't want really anything to do with Nathan. So then I'm in John Jay and I'm trying to be nice still. So I'm like, Hey, listen, do you want to apply to, you know, apply for school? Because I'm going to apply for school. Like we need to continue on with our lives, you know? And he shows up and he does to me, he punches me and steals my purse. And the campus security guard calls the cops. And the cops caught him like around the corner and they returned my bag and he stole my iPod. I believe that's what um was in, was in style then, the iPods. And I remember that was the last straw. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with him. Like, that's it. And the last time I ever saw him was when he actually lied to me. He was like, listen, he called my home and he's like, listen, I have Josiah's death certificate. And I have his social and I have like all these documentations. And of course, I didn't want him to keep anything because he manipulated me so much that I was sending all the documents over to his father's house and he getting them. But I felt like I needed to have those that to me. And I remember um, I was very fine, whatever, just come over and give it to me. I don't know why I did this. So when I opened the door. He like literally like flew on top of me and I'm running to the room and he's choking me. He has me on the bed and he's choking me. And I know that like a lot of people say that like you're like you're like all of your like like your important moments are like flashing by. And it's true like a movie. Like I couldn't catch the memories. They were going so fast. And I remember like praying to God. I was like, oh my God, this can't, this can't be my life. I don't, I can't die here. But for some reason, I never picture myself dying. Like I, I picture myself living. And I remember praying and this man's grasp is like getting tighter. And then I'm losing consciousness. And then all of a sudden, I noticed that like his, he's not really choking me with so much force. And I get out, I got free. By the grace of God, I got on the phone. My mom just worked two blocks away from the house. And I remember yelling, like, on the phone, like, mom, 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 come. He's here. He's here. He's trying to kill me. And the funny thing is that he didn't go to the living room. He didn't stop me. And my mom comes in. And that's when he rushes by her and he leaves. And honestly, I would like to say, well, that was really, honestly, the last time I saw him, really. But he did try to contact me over social media, like, years later. 
and he sent me a picture. Like, I believe this was like eight to nine years. I already had a daughter from someone else. And he sent me a picture and he's like, oh, look, um, this is us when we were together. And I was like, he said something to the effect, like, this is like our happy moments. I was like, go oh, fuck you. Like, go oh, fuck yourself. And I blocked him because I remember the picture that he sent me. I was like, you can tell I was so unhealthy. I was in my hair was falling out and I was pregnant. Like, that's not a memory I want. And he just, he, oh, and get this. So he moved on. Thank God. He found himself a girlfriend and he told me that he only did that to me, that I deserved it. And he never did that to her. And throughout that course, I think I was informed that they had two kids, a boy and a girl. And he had the audacity to name his son Josiah. I was like, wow. But I've had to do a lot of soul searching. And I've had to come myself into therapy because all of that trauma that I went through when I was 17 and 18, it was it was a lot on me. And I don't want to say that it happened quickly because I developed like even drinking habits. I was working in bars and I wasn't really taking care of myself. And then up until like when my daughter um was born, it's funny because like with her, when I found out it was a girl, I was like, it's a girl and a boy. You know, but I'm like, you know what? She's a rainbow baby. And I was just so happy to have her. It was tough. I went through postpartum depression and I didn't know how to handle it. But I started to, I was like, you know what? My daughter gave me a purpose in my life. So I recognized like the signs of postpartum and I got help for it. And then I started working out and those things really helped me. And then I was like, you know what? I'll go to school. And I eventually went went back to school, went to John Jay. And I graduated from John Jay with my bachelor's in criminology. And I graduated with a 3.9. And that was like a like like my success and a big fuck you to him. I was like, yeah, I did it. That vibe, you know? Got myself into therapy, right? And I was just like, you know what? My daughter gave me a purpose. And I'm ha- I was so grateful to have her in my life. And she's 13 years old, you know, and her father turned out to be a deadbeat, whatever. At this point, honestly, as long as like her father, her father never put his, um, his hands on me, thank God. But you know what? I was just like, I'm meant to be a warrior mom. So you know what? My mom and I, we raised her. And my mom, I remember like my mom was so happy. My mom was just like, wow, like I'm going to have a granddaughter because it was my mom was happy also like when I was pregnant first with my son. And at first, of course, she wasn't. But when when my son was born, my mom was really like I was like I was so surprised because my mom was not the type to really condone this shit. Like I'm a teenager, but my mom was like really devastated. I could tell like my son, like losing her first grandkid was really devastating and the fact that like we were gonna have another baby in the house like my mom did everything for me like my mom bathed my daughter when I was going through postpartum depression my mom was even there when I gave birth to my daughter like I had another c-section my mom literally like I feel like I just had my daughter just for my mom because my mom was (laughs) like yeah this is my daughter (laughs) 
but she developed, yeah, she developed this attachment to my daughter and they're close. Like right now my daughter's 13 years old and right now they're in the Dominican Republic together. Like I'm telling you, my mom and my daughter do everything together. But it was one of those things that you live and you learn. And of course, there's shame, you know, because of course they will make you feel like this is your fault, you know? And only later on do you start putting things into context. Like to me, I thought rape was like, you know, like like a stranger, like just, you know, unwilling. Um, But that's not, you know, you can experience that even with with your own partner because he forced himself on me. So I started recognizing a lot of those things. And then my therapist was like, yeah, you were trauma bonding. And these are your triggers. And and there's there was things that I had to like do in order to like follow the steps in my recovery because there were many times that of course it would bring me back to my trauma. Like any little things would like trigger me. And even, like, for my daughter, like, in the very few, like, uh, first few years of her life, like, I remember, like, when I wasn't getting, like, any help for it, like, there was no triggers there. And I took it out on my daughter. And I recognized that. And I apologized to her. And I had to sit down with her and kind of tell her a little bit of what I went through. And my daughter, she's so cute. She was just like, Mom, I'm sorry. You didn't deserve that. You're a good mom. And that's just a confirmation to me that I'm like, you know what? I am a good mom, you know, and you do have a brother and his name is just Ayala, like I have pictures and I threw his ashes forever with my best friend um, a few years back because I was able to let it go, you know, but I always have a place to visit him. And whenever I feel lonely, I just go and visit him there and I just, you know, talk to him. And I feel like it really... It was a process for me, but I was able to let it go because as a mom, like, you would never think that you would ever, like, want the ashes to, like, ever leave your side. But I felt like I needed to release it, you know? And I'm like, you know what? My son, this is really not my son. My son, I know my son's in heaven. And I need my faith as well. Like, I saw, after that, like, I saw God. And I know, like... A lot of the things that I went through in my life, like I wasn't God that put me this. It was obviously him using religion to like punish me and things like that. But you know what? You go from from surviving to thriving and you got to do what you have to do. And especially because I have a daughter. So like, I went to school and I did what I needed to do. And then a podcast emerged and I'm like, you know what? time to put it on the mic because it's like my therapist says like you have like four sides to you and some have that like secret like thing that we want to keep and then when you release it in therapy like it's not a secret anymore you don't feel ashamed and you want to talk about it now you want to like educate people you want to liberate people bondages because it doesn't happen to like one gender it doesn't happen to just like you, it doesn't matter if you're smart. It doesn't matter if you come from whatever background you come from. It doesn't matter. Abuse is abuse. Mm-hmm. They're still going to do it to you. And, Absolutely. Right. And even though I was smart, I would, yeah, like it happened, you know, and it's just recognizing those things because, you know, they abuse you. And it, since they don't need to abuse you 
physically, it like verbally is is oh my god, the verbal and the financial to me took a while for me to recover because the the verbal was me like trying to get over it and and really like give myself positive affirmations like you're not dumb you know how to speak because for a long time I didn't know how to have conversations with strangers because I developed like even a stuttering habit because I really believed that I couldn't I wasn't smart enough like I didn't have the verbiage I was just really believed a lot of the bullshit he was selling but you know we're here and I, I since then had to forgive him for me because I don't want to hold that in my heart, but we forgive him for far. I don't want this man ever resurrected in my life. He's to me, you know, and I'm just, I just hope that he didn't, he's not teaching this his kids. Oh, honey. He's he, ridiculous. He is. When he yeah. said he's not doing this to someone else, that's a damn lie. Because this is what's in his nature. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Yeah. That's I a big red flag. My space. Yeah. I was going to say, when a parent oh, yeah. tells you oh, yeah. that uh, their child is not good yeah. enough for you, mm-hmm. you need to fucking listen. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's huge. Oh, fucking yeah. And I wish I did. Like, oh, my, I was so stubborn. It was so huge. Like, his father and his father, let me tell you, this was not something that they modeled in his home. Like, his, like after his mom passed away, his his dad married a Dominican woman, and I'm from the Dominican Republic. And I remember, like, she was so amazing, and so was the father. And he had little brothers, and he had one little brother and one little sister, and they were they were nothing compared to him. Like even his older brother, they were nothing compared to him. It was like total walk. And I remember his brother had a girlfriend, and his girlfriend never ever told me that he put his hands on her. And he lived with her for a long time. And this was not something that was modeled in his home. And his father was an amazing person. And you know what's the crazy part? That on MySpace was like the platform that we used at the time. And I remember when I saw the girlfriend, like she looked just like me. Like she was, was, she was beautiful and she had like really long curly hair. And I was like, oh, that's so weird, you know, but that's crazy. It's Cause it's like a, a memento. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well I'm going to get you because that's going to be a constant reminder of what I did to you. It's crazy. It's like crazy how they think. Absolutely bad shit. Just like how he's throwing God around. First of all, God somewhere in there says thou shalt not hit. <laughs> like, no, that's not that's not what we're doing. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? But he just I was telling you, like, it's just he was such an asshole and it's like and 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 I like go back to it and I'm like so many charges that I like dropped and how he had me convinced and he was a good actor and I know like the question always like um so why didn't you leave that's a great question like why didn't I leave and the reason I didn't leave is because he threatened like my family members like he threatened like even like my mom and I love my mom like even though my mom she's a flawed individual because no mom is perfect but 
I love my mom. Like my mom supported me in other areas of my life. And she was not with this piece of shit hitting me. Like my mom was not with it. And I was like, just like, oh my God, Eileen, like, what were you thinking? But you know what? We survived. That's right. I'm so sorry about your loss. I really am. That's a horrible, horrible thing to have to experience. But I feel like that was probably the best thing for you because you would have been stuck with him forever. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what this nut told my mom? He was like, again, using his religion, um, because my mom, after, like, I had my son, like, this was before he passed away. We were in the hospital, and my mom was like, oh, you need to get birth control. This asshole was like, oh, that's against the Bible. She's not supposed to get birth control. She's supposed to, like, as many kids as I want. And I remember, like, even silently praying to God, like, oh, my God, this can't be my life. Like, no, like, I don't want to be a baby-making machine. Like, I, like I have goals and dreams. Like, I want to go to school. Like, I want to be a criminal psychologist. Like, no, you know, but... I like at the time you don't realize and you don't recognize that God is doing you the biggest favor. And I have since recognized that. And I remember even my best friend told me that my best friend was like, I mean, you know what? She's like, you know what? God removed like your son away because you imagine if your son would have been alive, like imagine the torture that man would have made you gone through like what if one day he would have taken your son in the streets and you know with a stroller knowing him and a car would have hit him or something worse or him picking up those behaviors from his father and I'm like you know what you're right and that's when I started like my healing process I'm like you're right and I wasn't angry at God anymore and I was like and I think I was like thank you God so much you bless me with a beautiful daughter and that's all I can ask for and I haven't seen him since and he's blocked on everything. So he can't reach out to me. Like, hell no. Good. Keep it that way. (laughs) Nathan can. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nathan can stay the fuck away from me. I was like, yeah, no, but you know, it's so crazy. I remember like even seeing his pictures too. Seeing whose pictures he got, he gained a lot of weight. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah, And I was yeah, exactly. Because I, I was working out and he, and don't get me wrong, he tried that when I was pregnant. He tried to call me a whale. So I was like, oh, he gained so much weight. And I was like, oh, because you called me a whale while I was pregnant with my daughter, like you piece of shit. And I'm like, I was working. Well, I'm still working. I was, I was like, yeah, karma got you. Oh, yeah, for sure. But the thing that kills me with him is he wants this baby or he keeps saying, oh, my baby, my baby. But yet he's doing things to you, which is going to make you lose this baby. So his actions and his words were very different. Oh, yeah, very different. They always are like it's 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 crazy the way like these users like the way they convince you and the way they break you down mentally. And I really wasn't taking care of myself. Like I was just losing copious amount of weight, like. What's 95, 92 pounds? Like, that's not, that's not okay. Like, I was 18, like, pregnant. Like, I still losing weight, still pregnant. But it was just all the consequences of just freaking his shit. And don't get me wrong. Like, I ended up going or trying to go to a woman's shelter. 
Um, but the thing is that he followed me to that shelter. So it's like, even though like I, I tried just a little bit, he always found a way to like convince me and, and convince me that other people were trying to like break us up and this, that, and the third. And, you know, it was just a lot of bullshit, I believe. But let me tell you something. I learned from that relationship and anything that I see, anything like that I feel like are like that rears its ugly head. I'm like, oh, let me get the fuck out of this relationship because now I can recognize it. I'm like, you yeah, know. Oh, yeah, you will. Like, I see red flags all the time now because I ignored some of the ones, too, because like you said earlier, oh, maybe he'll change. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. And it's no, it doesn't matter. You could serve him every day on a silver platter and have all kinds of shit. They're not ever going to be happy because guess what? He's not happy with himself. Yep, exactly. And he was battling demons. He was sniffing coke and things like that. And it was just a bad situation. And then he was lying and stealing because that's what he was doing. And it even got to the point that even like some of my friends, like I think he visited one of my friends and he has stolen something. And I remember feeling so embarrassed because I'm like, he did what? Like he stole something from your home. And I remember even like they even jumped him at one point. He got his ass kicked on my block because he, again, stealing. And I'm like, if this man was just, he, he was just fucked up, like in and out. And he kept blaming like the loss of his mom, like, oh, because I don't have my mom. And I'm like, there's a lot of people that don't have their fucking moms and they don't go and do that. You know? Right. He obviously probably needed to talk to somebody and he had a lot of madness and hate in his heart and he didn't deal with it. And so all he could do is spew ugly. And ain't nobody got no time for that. At all. And you oh, and I forgot I actually share this because you know what's the funny thing about it is like when you're like talking about this, like certain things that you like put in your subconscious. As you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, I remember this other event. Like, he had this other brother, right? And he was, like, an older brother. He was just a brother from, like, the other side of the family. And I remember one day, like, um, the brother and I were alone in, in, in his home with the kids. And we were supposed to go to church on Sunday. His fucking brother hit on me. Like, his brother came on to me. And I remember his brother was, like, a man that was, like, like in his 40s like really like mid 40s and I remember like oh my god like how the fuck am I supposed to tell him that and I did the brutal mistake of telling him that and the sister that was so Christian the like when I like told Nathan like about what his like what his brother did the sister like she she was like defending her he didn't do that you're a slut and I was like oh me but don't you have a kid from someone who was married or is married? Like, but I'm the slut and you're the Christian? Like, really? Like, help me understand that. And I remember, like, he like he punched the shot at me and he dragged me to his brother's house. And he and and like he knocked on his brother's door and he was like, Did you did you hit on the the, the mother of my child? And other than I, they're like, Oh, you're gonna listen to her, she's a slut. And I was like, Wow, like this this family's just fucked up. Well, from his mother's side. I was like, oh yeah, they're fucked up. 
because his father's side, they're they're not like, like the swaps. His father was such an angel, and I know it affected him when I lost my son because he was really happy that he was going to be a grandfather, you know. And I remember when he came to see Josiah at the hospital, he had a camera. He was so happy, and then you know all of this happened. And I remember just his dad was just so sad, but. His father really told me to, you know, to leave his son alone. Like, his father never condoned that. His father even told my mom, like, everything that his son was a piece of shit to no good and how he had an ex-girlfriend that he beat the shit out of her. And he cheated on me with her too, while I was pregnant. And he's sitting down next to her in church. Never told me anything. But the funny thing about that is that my spirits always told me that there was something off here. Like, there's something off here. And then years later, I found out he cheated on me with another friend, with another so-called best friend of his. And he lied to me. And she ended up, we ended up being friends. And she, she apologized to me. She was like, I'm so sorry. Like, he lied to you and he lied to me. Um, And she was like, no, like, he cheated on you with me. And I was like, wow, he made it seem like you were, like, a friend and you were, um, like you were like his best friend, you were in love with him, but he chose me over you. And you know how small this world is? That like I was dating a guy that knew her. I was like, yo, this world is so small. Right. Now, like if a guy is constantly, constantly up your ass, telling you you're cheating, telling you you're a whore, telling you you're doing things wrong. of the time, it's them doing the wrong and they project it onto you. Huge sign. Oh yeah, for sure. That's yeah, for sure. And that's, that's always the case. Like it's always, like it's always their guilty conscience and they always turn it around on you. And he was always constantly accusing me of, of cheating. I'm like, first of all, like I'm a, I'm a type of woman that I don't go at cheating because I saw, like, my, my dad doing that to my mom. And I remember I resented my dad shit. And I was, like, to me, I was, like, what's the whole point of cheating? Like, just leave me. Like, don't do that. Because, like, I would never cheat on someone like that. That's, like, so, like, fucked up. And I'm, like, before I even do that, like, if I have feelings for someone else, because I'm not going to tell you it doesn't happen. Like, I'm going to leave you or do whatever. But I'm not going to, like, go ahead and cheat on you. Like, no, but yeah, that asshole was cheating on me left and right and spending my money on these girls. And I'm like, what a fucking asshole. <laughs> hey, Karma's a bitch. She's just going to keep getting fatter and we'll get bald and lose his teeth. <laughs> yeah, that's, and I know it's funny you say that because I was noticing it right there, like his hairline. I was like, ah, you're <laughs> bald and like, that's life punishing you. Yeah, yeah, no, you're on the money. I'm like, oh, that's punishing you for all that fucked up shit you did, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, but his kids, like, I saw his kids, and they're they're really adorable kids. And I'm like, I'm praying to God that they don't turn out like their father, like, because it's horrible. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully they're not witnessing that kind of stuff, because then now they're going to need freaking counseling to know how to separate that because once they think that's normal why wouldn't they right yeah 
And you know what's crazy? It's like, yeah. And I'm not a, like a lot of adults that like, not like I, his father, because like they warned me, but there was like people that he like, that like he wasn't an abuser. Even though I have bruises on my body and like, you know, like if you, if you ever like looked at me, like you would know that I was like abused and just certain behaviors that I was like, I was exhibiting. Like if you really look in, like you would know that there was something unwell in this relationship. Like this dynamic was just, it was just off. But again, you know, it's just, it's reflection. And I know it's like many people, if you're not in this relationship, it's easy for people to judge and it's easy for people to be like, oh, if that would have been me as like, hell no. Because like when, imagine like, you're like, you get that from like your dad or someone close to you, like doing that, like they're going to stuck. You you don't know how to react because it's, it's like a shock and you don't know how to take that, you know, and you're going to be like, oh my God, but everyone is different in situations, you know? And yeah, even absolutely. though I didn't leave immediately, like, yeah, like, I felt like this needed to happen because God saw things and I was like, no, you need, like, this is going to be what we need to do to remove this person from you. And you know what? And even though, like, my son unfortunately passed away, but like I said, there was a purpose and there's a reason because God's plan is never wrong. And I know that he's never ever wrong and I every day I'm thanking God and I'm like thank you God so much for just a blessing and like I said I have a beautiful daughter not from the same man I have my daughter two years later and I was happy to be a mom again you know and I know I wasn't ready to be a mom but I'm happy that I did choose to be a mom well I'm sure you're doing a yeah. marvelous even though the little thank you a little fucker is mildly but you know she's 13 it's fine but um you know she's my little cancer <laughs> i love cancers i'm like because she's really emotional my daughter you know what's crazy too i also had to work on giving my daughter love because it was hard for me to give my daughter love like when my daughter would hug me like like because i didn't i wasn't like going to think, like very like early on I felt like, um, like I, I, like I was really being to my daughter. Like every time she would like hug me, I would kind of like push her. And then like my best friend Barca, she was like, "Girl, like this is the reason. Like you can't, you know, like this is why you're pushing her away." And then I saw like my best friend, um, eat, like my best friend also had like a tough childhood, and I remember seeing her giving her children, like you know, her daughter that love. And that really made me want to break the cycle. Like, you know what? Let me take a chapter from your book and start being, like, like, not being, not doing that to my daughter. So whenever my daughter would hug me, I would just hug. And even now, like, I have the shit out of her. She doesn't like it. I fucking squeeze her so much to the point, oh, I can't breathe. I was like, oh, fuck. I love you. <laughs> I'm a cancer. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> you give me cancer. When was your birthday? Uh, I was July 15th. Nice. My daughter's June 23rd. I was happy because I knew, listen, not for nothing, I prefer a cancer over a Gemini because I was like, yeah, no, them Gemini is. <laughs> <laughs> That's my son. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, oh, your son, yeah, it's the little thing. My best friend is a Gemini, you know, all best wishes, you know, but 
we understand them. I was like, I understand you, girl. I understand your little two faces, you know, but <laughs> they're really smart. So talk with Gemini. They're really, you, we need a Gemini. I'm nice to balance you and they're really smart, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm so happy that we were able to connect and that you are definitely on a better road. Whatever church they were going to. Oh, for sure, yeah. That church needs to be condemned. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, they even oh they even try to cover it up that I was a teen mom because to them that their facade was what they cared about. So they try to cover up. I heard this years later, like I didn't even know this was a thing, but they didn't even want to like attend the church because they thought it was like a bad example because I was a teen mom. Isn't that fucked up? Yes, guys doesn't judge like that. <laughs> no, he never does. Ever, ever, ever. And I was like, yeah. And and God always says that, like, if you judge, like, I'm going to judge you. Like, don't do that, you know? But I've had to do a lot of posting and a lot of forgiving. And the forgiveness was more so for myself and my, my recovery, you know, and sometimes you need to do it for yourself. You don't want to, I don't really like holding on to anything in my heart. And being that I came from uh, this abusive relationship, I have nothing but love in me. So I even became like a teacher. Like, I didn't even like go to like whatever I went to John Jay for. Like, of course, I'm on my podcast, like because I cover true crime, but I became a teacher in the Bronx and my kids in the Bronx, like, even though they're tough, a lot of them don't come from love. So I'm giving them love, even though they'd be like, Miss Santos, like, we hate you. And I'm like, I love you too. Even my <laughs> tough ones, like, they ended up loving me. And they're like, even though you overwhelm me, we know that you you love us and you care for us. I was like, listen, the minute Santos doesn't care, get scared. And I, I had this one tough little girl. I'm like, she's so mean. Her eyebrows were like little, like, like she had them like little Wednesday. And I'm like, why are you so mean with an attitude? And guess what? She was responding to me after a while. Like we became like, she became like my daughter. Sometimes people, they just Which need to crazy. be shown that they, they care. Yeah. Somebody cares about them, that they are seen, that oh. they're heard and that they're cared for. Yeah. No, it's the little yeah, things in life. Sure. <laughs> I know like she was. Yeah, and I know, like, her father, like, kids were mean because, like, mine was incarcerated when I was younger and kids were making, like, fun of her and stuff like that and I had to intervene and I had to, like, I sat down with her and I'm like, listen, sweetheart, my father also, like, went to jail but I want to tell you that your mom is doing whatever she can as best as she can and whatever your father did, you know, like, um, don't judge them for the face because as adults, we make mistakes, you know? Um, but just know that even if you like talk to your father from, you know, from prison, it's okay. Cause she had this shame and I felt so bad and I would just give her so much hugs. And she ended up being like one of like my best, like kids. I was like, Oh, it's all takes. Have nothing but love to give. Yeah, it's just love. And I'm here, like, literally, like, anyone literally, like, experiencing any type of, like, abuse, you know, financially, whatever it is, like, 
I'm here for you, okay? Like, I went through it, and I would never judge you. And I know, like, certain family members, like, they leave your side, and they don't mean to. But all I ask is if, like, if you guys know someone that is in one, like, be patient with that person because they're going to use you at a point where they need to escape, and they need you. Like, they need escape routes, you know? And one day they're going to wake up and realize this is not the relationship, and they want to get out, you know? So just be patient. That's good advice. That's good advice. Absolutely. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, I think that's it, guys. Like, I just wanted to leave you guys with that. It's just be patient with each other, right? You guys are loved. And by no means do you guys ever deserve to be abused. Like, it's bullshit. And I know, like, shame has a way of, like, keeping you like from from talking or speaking out, but speak out or tell someone. Like it's always important to at least tell someone, write it in a journal, do something, but tell someone because I at least like, even though like I didn't tell someone immediately, I eventually had to open up and stop hiding a lot of the things in the relationship, you know? Right, because you got to start to heal yourself. And if you can't let it out, it's just going to sit and boil within you. And that's not healthy. Exactly. Right. You know, and as humans are literally meant to throw and I, you know, we live where is a lot of negativity, but you know what? There's also people actually see like the, the, the glass half full, you know, and that's me. Like I'm a positive person, positive affirmations every day, you know, and I even instill that in my daughter every time I would make her breakfast four in the morning and then I would write on a board you're intelligent, you are beautiful, you're this, you're that. And I've I've had to internalize that because let me tell you, like many things I had to do self-reflection and I'm like, I need to be a better mom for her. And I'm glad that I recognized that. And I was like, you know what? Fuck yeah, my daughter's here for a reason and I'm happy I have her, you know. Absolutely. I you know what? I hear you, but thank you so much. You are awesome. I fucking love you. And you're fucking beautiful. My daughter wears glasses just like you. Oh, yeah? Oh, the cancers. Yep. Yeah, she wears glasses. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's right, girl. And I feel like cancers, oh, they're so, I I love a cancer personality. Love a cancer personality. And my daughter gives me love. Like all the time, I'm like, I'm here, you little shit. <laughs> if you know somebody that really needs to listen to this episode, please share it with them. This is every parent's worst nightmare. A link to her podcast will be in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening. It really means the world to me. And we're making a difference little by little. Do you want to be on the show? Do you have a story to tell? You can find me on my websites, crimeovercocktails.com or thecrimeconnection.org. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.